These last few weeks we've been talking about ministry, what it is that defines what we're trying to do or accomplish as a congregation. And it's really timely that these texts from the lectionary have come to us because I think that this year is a big year for us, 2020. It's uh, an opportunity for us to really hone in on and define what it is we're trying to accomplish as a church. I've been here for a few years. I'm not new anymore. You've been here for a little while. We've gotten acquainted with one another. We know the ins and outs, strengths and weaknesses, gifts that we all possess and bring to the table. So I think it's a great time in our shared history because we're thinking long term, right? We're thinking we're going to be together for quite a while. So let's think strategically about what it means to be in ministry together and what ministry means. Paul brings us a number of different metaphors in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Been sort of kicking around there these last few weeks. If you have a Bible in front of you or near you, be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. That's in the New Testament. Okay, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans, 1 Corinthians. So a little bit into the New Testament, which is the latter part of your Bible. Or if it's on your phone, just put it in, and it'll come right up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul introduces us here to the, met, uh, the metaphor of building. The fact that uh, we're trying to build something. That's what we're doing. We're engaged in a project. And to be truthful, it's more of a renovation than a new construct, right? New construction is one thing. You clear the ground, you erect the foundation, and then you build on it. Uh, renovation's a little bit trickier. Renovation's like you go into one of these 100-year-old Victorian homes here in Alameda and you gut it, right? You take it down to the studs. And you do the, the take up the floors and you shore up the foundation. And then you begin to uh, build into that existing structure what it's going to take to make it into something beautiful. That's what it's like with us. When we come to the table, we're kind of like that old Victorian, right? We're not a clean slate. A lot of stuff that's been going on here. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a pretty good structure. It could be quite a mess. Usually, because we're human, it's some combination of both. But Paul points out the fact that you and I, he, and the Corinthians are builders. That's our responsibility, every one of us. So, strap on your tool belt and come with me. Paul shifts metaphors. You know he's a preacher when he does that, right? He's talking about being a plant and growing and planting and harvesting. And then mid-sentence he shifts metaphors and he brings us this idea of building. It happened in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 3. He said, For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, right? Growth, comma, God's building, enter, new metaphor, new way of thinking about what we're supposed to be doing. And it might be well for us to stop and think about why Paul is having this conversation with the Corinthian church in the first place. 
I've mentioned it to you in prior weeks, but it bears repeating that the church in Corinth had problems. Unlike the Alameda First Baptist Church, the Corinthian church wasn't yet perfected. Had a few problems, had a few struggles. And preeminent among them was they had quarrels about and controversies over the church's leadership. Because Paul had been there and he had founded the church. He's like the founding pastor of the church. And he stayed for about 18 months and he taught the people and he raised up disciples and he prayed with them and he lived with them and he taught them how to be disciples. And then he left town and another guy came in. His name was Apollos. He did the same thing. He taught the people. He preached to them. He prayed with them. And the problem was that the church at Corinth had gotten divided. And some said, I'm pro-Paul. And others said, I'm pro-Apollos. And nobody was yet Bernie back then. But Paul and Apollos, right? See what I did there? I threw in a political metaphor. Wasn't that funny? <laughs> Not really. Come on, Dex, I'm trying. Help a brother out. Paul says, verse 10, now look, let me go back and tell you how this is. He says, according to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it. What Paul introduces here is the idea of continuity within church leadership. In other words, I came and I, I put up the foundation. I put in the early groundwork and then someone else, Apollos, is now building on it. And by the time they got this scroll, Apollos had probably already left down and another person was there teaching and leading the people. The point Paul is making is that it's all the same thing. We're all engaged in the same task. Uh, last night was able to be here and be a part of uh, James George's wedding to Darlene. And I got up and I laid a foundation. I said, welcome, and I prayed. And then I stepped aside. Pastor Karen stepped in and she performed the wedding ceremony. Karen and I are doing the same thing. We're engaged in the same task. We're helping Brother James get married to Darlene. And it was great. Kudos for that dinner. Ooh, that was good, right? No matter how many pastors we have, no matter how many leaders in the diaconate board, no matter how many committees and ushers and servers and musicians and people that we have involved it's one enterprise right we are all doing the same thing and you know you can have identified with pastor Karen she's great and pastor Clark and pastor Linda and pastor Paul we've had so many great pastors in the history of First Baptist and maybe one of them has uniquely touched you in a way that's just amazing. Hold on to that. Cherish that. But don't let that stand in the way of new generations of leadership who step into place to lead and to guide the congregation. We're engaged 
in an enterprise with one goal. And we're all doing the same thing. And look, we're Christians. This translates out from here. The church down the block. Church in Oakland. San Francisco. Palo Alto. San Ramon. Churches in the Midwest. Churches on the East Coast. Churches in the Florida Keys. Churches around the world. We're all engaged in the exact same thing. There's one Jesus. It's not different from place to place. And it doesn't mean something different to follow him on that continent than it does here on this one. We're engaged in the same work. We are builders, you and I. Paul said he was a skilled master builder. He laid a foundation. Someone else is building on it. But he concludes that Verse 10, with this phrase, every builder must choose with care how to build. Which means we're doing the same thing, we have the same goal, we're engaged in the same enterprise, but there are ways of doing it, right? How many carpenters do we have here? Got a few carpenters, I see one hand in the back. There's certain ways to build things, right? There's a wrong and a right way. I've done some building, not much, thankfully. But there's right and wrong ways to do it. There's technique, there's skill, and we need to be careful how we build. The same is true in the life of discipleship. You and I are builders in one another's life, and we have to build with care. Verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, the work of each builder will become visible for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If what has been built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. A lot of concepts are intertwined for us here. But it's good to stop and look with Paul at the fact that there's only one foundation. Paul said when he came into Corinth, he laid the foundation. What was that foundation? It's Jesus Christ who is the cornerstone. He's the foundation of this building. It's in our name. We are Christians, Christian. We're followers of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation upon which we build. That is central. That is fundamental. That is irreplaceable. We are uniquely in the church, Jesus people. And it's kind of a Jesus thing. Hence the cross, right? Paul began this conversation by saying the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We know the power of the cross. We're followers of Jesus. That's our foundation. And we build upon that. Got it? 
what and who is the foundation? Three of you know that it's Jesus. What, what and who is the foundation? Six of you know now that Jesus is the foundation. Who and what is the foundation? Jesus. All right. You're getting there. Jesus is the foundation. And you and I are builders, all of us, everyone, mutually building into the lives of our fellows. Right? That's what we're doing. But he says, look, we have to build with care. Because there's going to be this fiery test and trial at the end. And so you can build with a lot of different stuff, right? Gold, wood, straw, rubies, different kind of things we can build into one another's life. Reminiscent of the three little pigs, right? And they all built different houses. Big bad wolf came, right? What do you say? I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll... Blow your house down. Pig little one got blown away. Pig number two got blown away. Pig number three was a shrewd dude. He built well, and his house survived, and the other little pigs wanted in, right? It's kind of like that. Not everything is the same. Not every building is of the same material. So Paul is cautioning us, and, and the caution is this, to build with care into one another's lives because there will be a judgment. And we're thinking about this judgment, right, in terms of fire and flames, and, and we're going to get burned up, right? It's not about the builder being burned up. It's about the builder's work being burned. The way that we build into one another's lives, that's what will be tested. That's what will be tried at the end, not us. He said the builder's in, right? Maybe by the skin of his teeth as through fire, but he's in. She's in. Because she knows that Jesus is the cornerstone, has settled the matter. Jesus is the foundation. But the thing that gets tested and tried at the end of days, the thing that might burn up or might survive, is the work that we do. The way that we build into one another's lives, that's going to be tested and tried and evaluated. And some of it will endure. And other of it will be burned up. So the moral of the story is simple. Be careful how you build. And build into one another's lives with quality stuff. I don't think I'm the only one that misses Raphael. Right? When you think about builders, Mr. Calixto was a builder. And for those of you that were present for that two-hour memorial service, person after person after person attested to the value of Raphael's having built into their lives. He was there for me. He took an interest in me. He had a nickname for me. He reached out to me. He knew when I wasn't here. That kind of stuff, right? He wasn't perfect. He had flaws like the rest of us, but he did it well. He did a good job. He made each one of us feel like we were unique and special and cool. That's the kind of guy that he was. That's why we miss him. 
Let that be an example to us to how to build into the lives of others. We need more Raphaels. We need to replace what's been lost in our family, in our fellowship. It's not the same, right, without him sitting on the back, greeting us as we come in. It's like that. Taking an interest in the lives of other people. Genuine interest. We can't be everything for everyone. We can't solve the world's problems, right? I got a lot of mess going on right here. But I can take the time to reach out into the life of someone around me to build into them to take an interest in their life to do something encouraging use your imagination think about the things that other people have done for you that have felt good and do those things for other people Think about the unique situation of someone's life. What do they need and how can you meet that need? Think about a way that you can do that anonymously. That's really cool. So that you can be a blessing to someone's life and they not even feel indebted to you because you've done it on the sly, right? There's so many ways that you can be helpful. So many ways that you can be encouraging. So many ways that you can build up the lives of people around you in deep and meaningful ways. It requires a, a certain orientation. Our default position, unfortunately, is to be sort of self-absorbed, right? Like, ah, oh, I got this and this and this in my life, and you wouldn't believe this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. Guess what? It's like seven billion other people on the planet, right? <laughs> it's not all about you and your suffering and your challenges. I have pity for you, I really do. But sometimes the solution to your problem is to get outside of yourself and to be of help to someone else. Think about ways that you might be able to do that. Paul says that's what we're doing. We're, we're builders and we build. Builders build. That's what we do. Look for ways, unique ways, to be a blessing to the lives of those around you in a way that will endure that final test. Paul says, verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple? Sticking with the metaphor. You are God's temple. Not the building that you worship in, but you, we, are God's temple. And he said, and that God's spirit dwells in you, verse 16. Verse 17, 
If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. It means something that we are embodied, that we're not just spirits kind of floating around because that's all super intangible, right? But it's real, it's earthy. We are human beings. We indwell these vessels. And Paul said that's something to think seriously about as you consider building, is that we are the building. We ourselves are human selves. And that God's Spirit lives in us. Something profoundly beautiful about being a human being. And golden retrievers are really cool, but they're not human. And fish. Anybody have a pet fish? That means something to be a human person. There's a, a certain dignity that God has built into that. The Old Testament says that you and I are created in the image of God. Which means, among other things, that we have a capacity to connect with God in a way that the other living beings do not. We have the capacity to connect with one another in a way that wolves and snakes don't. Consider Sisters and brothers, that you are a part of the human community. You're part of the human family. Spirit of God dwells in you. And the implication of that is that God's Spirit gives us the capacity to do this building that Paul's asking us to do. It's only one question to walk out of here. How am I building? Oh, you can turn the phrase and say, how can I build? I want you to expand your orientation. I want you to think about that. I want you to look for ways to build into the lives of others. Just find a way to do it. It's so easy. And such a blessing can attest to how wonderful it feels when you have the capacity, when you have the ability to be self-forgetful. Think about someone else. One might even say Christ-like. God, we look to you and only you And we're grateful that others have built into our lives and continue to do so. Grateful for the calling as well to be builders with one another. So give us creativity. Give us a spirit of adventure. Give us generosity. 
God, help us to see. Let us be perceptive about the needs of those around us. And let us respond courageously. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh,